need to see how far I can go. That's it as well. Okay, uh, if you've got your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 8. We're going to be continuing our series, Real Jesus, and looking at John chapter 8. We're going to tackle the rest of John chapter 8 in two parts. Uh, Today we're going to go up to verse 30, and then next time we will complete chapter 8. Okay, so we're going to dive straight in and read the scripture today. NIV version will be on the screen behind me. Follow along. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, Will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I've heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. Let's quickly pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for our time of worship together where we just focused again on your son Jesus. Just so encouraging, so exciting to remember everything that Jesus has done for us. We just pray as we open the Bible as we open the scripture, Lord, will you speak to all of us in this room? We come to the scripture humbly and willing to learn, and Holy Spirit, we pray, just speak to us as we spend time together this next half an hour. 
Okay. So where are we? Chapter 7. Jesus is at the Feast of the Tabernacles. And at the Feast of the Tabernacles, there's this moment of remembering what God has done for his people. What God has done for the people of Israel in helping them in the Old Testament escape from Egypt and keeping them safe in the desert for 40 years. They remember God's faithfulness. And they did some symbolism. One thing they would do is they, the priests would go up to the altar with water, pour the water on the altar in remembrance of what God did for the Israelites in the desert. What did he do? Well, they were thirsty. They were in a desert. There was lots of people and no water. So God said to Moses, strike this rock with your staff and out of it will flow water. So bang, Moses does it. Water to quench the thirst of thousands of people. And so the, 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 the priests would be doing this in remembrance of that event. They would be pouring the water on the altar. And it's in that context of the feast, in that context of the water being poured out on the altar in remembrance of God's faithfulness, Jesus stands up with a loud voice and he says, If anyone's thirsty, come to me. Drink. That story, Moses and the rock and the water, I was the rock. I was in that. It finds its fulfilment in me. Friends, we need to get the big picture of Scripture. It's so, so, so important. We're not just looking at 30 years of this man, God became man, Jesus, living life on earth. It's not just 30 years. What we see is Jesus is in everything. And that's one of the points of John. It's what he's trying to say. It's like, Jesus is in everything. And so when he stands up at the feast and says, anyone thirsty, come and drink. He was with the Israelites in the desert. It, the rock finds, the water finds its fulfilment in me. And then we found, Alid spoke brilliantly last week about uh, this uh, woman caught in adultery. And you're sort of like, it's not necessarily, it should be there. But that's where people decide to put it in. And, and you sort of think, well, it's a little bit random. Like, what, okay, we've got Jesus at the feast. Then we've got this story. Why is it there? It's a little bit random. Actually, we're going to come, come on to it a little bit later. But there's this picture, this story of forgiveness, of grace, of the woman in adult, caught in adultery. And then we find today that Jesus is still at the feast. There's another act of symbolism that the priests would do at the Feast of Tabernacles. Hence the candles. Hence the fire risk. We're living life on the edge, guys. There's no fire alarm, so we're all good, I think. That's actually the real reason we moved into this room. We'd have been fine in the other rooms. Uh, what the priests would do in an act of symbolism on the first day of the feast is they'd light these big, big candles. And bigger than this and more impressive than this. These are the best ones that I could find. And they'd light them and keep them lit until the end of the feast. So the last day of the feast, the priests would come over. No, that didn't work. Okay, they'd do that. There we go. Okay? And they would... Everyone's on the edge of their seats there, aren't they? 
They would extinguish the candles and that would actually be a sign that the feast is over. Why would they do that? We get why the priests did the water and the altar. We get that. It's the rock and the water coming out of the rock in the desert with the Israelites. We get that. So why did they do the lights? Well, again, it's symbolism. They're remembering something. What are they remembering? Numbers 14. When the Israelites were in the desert... For 40 years, God sent every night a pillar of fire to guide them. The darkness came and the pillar of fire God sent to guide the Israelites. They followed this pillar of fire. They were wandering through a desert for 40 years. They were going to get lost. And so what God does is he sends this pillar of fire. Again, we see the faithfulness of God. God looking after his people in the midst of a desert. And so when they lit the candles at the Feast of Tabernacles, every time they were remembering God's faithful. God's faithful. He was faithful with the pillar of fire. There's a great quote, which I have to say, um, about the the Feast of Tabernacles by a guy called Don Carson. And he said that men of piety and good works, nice guys, would dance through the night. Just think that's a great picture. Holding burning torches in their hands and singing songs and praises. They're remembering the faithfulness of God. And then he goes on. The Levitical orchestras cut loose. I think that sounds amazing. The Levitical orchestras cut loose. It must have been some extreme worship coming out of the Levitical choruses. They were celebrating God's faithfulness. I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> Can I ask Alid afterwards? The, so, and it's into this context that Jesus speaks. It's into the context of the festival that Jesus speaks. And what does he say? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Rocks in the desert and water finds its fulfilment in me. The pillar of fire in the desert that led the Israelites day after day after day, it finds its fulfilment in me. I am the light of the world. When I went to university, I did a course in outdoor education. So I became a activity instructor instructor i do things like rock climbing sailing hill walking basically i just had loads of fun for three years there was one activity that i did that i did not enjoy caving if you don't know what caving is you put on a wetsuit something to keep you warm although it doesn't keep you warm but it's supposed to keep you warm. You put on a helmet, and you put on a torch on the helmet. And then you, with a group of people, it's important to do it in numbers because it's a safety thing, you go into a cave that is very, very dark, that is very, very cold, very, very wet, and you just kind of crawl around for hours, hoping that the rock 
the millions and millions of tonnes worth of rock above your head is not going to decide, this is the day I'm going to give in. It was not fun. I did not enjoy it. I remember there was one specific part of a cave system that you'd walk to for you'd be a couple of hours of going around and you know, doing all that sort of stuff, and then you get to this part called the cheese press. The cheese press. And it literally was a cheese press. In fact, if you wanted to get through it, you couldn't... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demonstrate. You couldn't go through it like this. You had to go like that. That's how narrow it was. It, I think it was 30 centimetres high. And this wasn't just like a quick, small gap. I think it was about five metres, so maybe from here to the wall. Squeezing through like this. It was not super fun, but some people like it. One thing we did in the cave, as we were a group of instructors, so we're all confident and relaxed, is uh, we would get together and we would turn our lights off. And it would get dark. Very dark. Because there's darkness and there's darkness. There's city darkness. And in city darkness, it's not really dark. To be completely honest, your eyes get adjusted if you've eaten enough carrots, and and you can kind of you can kind of see things if you you get used to it. Even countryside dark, where you go away from the city, if you like spend enough time out in the countryside, you you kind of get used to it. You can see your hand. Cave darkness is it's a different level. You can't see anything. you would not see your hand if you had it that close to your face. You do not see anything. And what happens is you get disorientated. You, you start to feel lost. You start to, you, like, it, it, there's almost like this physical weight on your body of like, it's just, it's, just, it's just nothing you've experienced before if you've not been in a cave. It is dark. There's this disorientation, this, this lostness that you feel. You just, you don't, you hear a voice over there, where, where, where are you? You don't know what direction you came in, what direction you're going in, where the wall is, where the wall isn't. And the reality is that that is exactly the same as the world that we live in. Exactly the same. We live in a world that is dark. And not city dark, where you can kind of, ah, oh, it's actually not too bad. Not even countryside dark. We live in a world that is pitch black dark. It's caving dark. And it's a world that's disorientated. It's a world that's lost. Even thinking about the election recently, everyone, you know, one person's really passionate for this, one person's really passionate for that. Like, people are lost. What do I call myself? What gender do I call myself? This gender, that gender, just call yourself whatever you want. People are lost. I think you can fill in the blank. We live in a dark, dark world and people are just stumbling around in the darkness. They can't even see their hand by their face. People are disorientated. People are lost. And it is into this darkness that Jesus speaks. It's into this darkness that Jesus speaks, our Saviour. And what does he say? I am the light of the world. If you're a careful reader, you will recognise light. Because we've heard this before. If we go back a few months to John chapter 1, if you go 
to the screen that says uh, John chapter 1. If we go back to John chapter 1, we read this. In the beginning was the Word. Okay, the Word we found out when we did this is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God with, with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's an incredible new creation story that John is bringing. Because if you read that, you might think, I've heard in the beginning before. Where have I heard that before? Oh yeah, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. God created. And what John is doing here, he's saying there's a new creation, there's a new day, something new is happening. In the beginning was the Word. And what do we find? The Word is Jesus, and Jesus is light. He says, I am the light of the world. So we see this new creation story happening, unfolding, and Jesus takes his place, centre stage, and he says this, I am the light of the world. Into darkness, into despair, I am the light of the world. The best part of caving was leaving. I'll be honest. Amen. With the shocked faces on most people's face, I assume most people don't enjoy caving. Um, For me, getting out of the cave was the best thing. And so what you do, when we're sitting in the darkness, one person, out of a group of 15 people, sometimes even more, one person would turn on their light. And in this position of pure pitch black cave darkness, one person just goes, just even a little bit, not full, full blaze, just a little bit, and suddenly you see. And you follow the light and you can get yourself out and safe and to a warm shower, which is the best thing, after caving, and then a bit. When Jesus made this amazing statement, I am the light of the world, he didn't leave it hanging abstractly. He didn't just say, I am the light of the world, and then everyone sort of thought, like, scratching their head, like, okay, cool, nice. He says this, whoever follows me. There is immediate consequence to what Jesus says. I am the light of the world. Come into darkness. I am the light of the world. Okay, what do we do? Follow him. This isn't abstract. It's not super spirituality where you're sort of like floating around, doing whatever you want. This is practical stuff. Super practical. Being a Christian is practical. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Okay, so what? Follow me. Are you lost? Follow Jesus. Are you in darkness? Follow Jesus. He's the light of the world. Christianity is practical. Ephesians, middle of Ephesians. The first few chapters of Ephesians are amazing. I'm a child of God. Paul just goes through all these amazing things about what you are. You're a child of God. You're adopted. You're seated in heavenly places. You're blessed. These incredible things of who you are if you become a Christian. And then, beginning of chapter 4, I think, he says, therefore, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Walk. It's practical. It's not just, I'm a child of God, I don't really know what to do. No. Paul says, walk. And it's the same with Jesus. If anyone is thirsty, drink. Come to me, drink. I am the light of the world. Follow me. 
It's practical. The original pillar of fire in the desert, all those years before, that Jesus is saying, now finds its fulfillment in me. The original pillar of fire was meant to be followed. It was meant to lead the Israelites to safety. Imagine if this incredible miracle happens, and you see this pillar of fire, and everyone's like, wow, let's get our marshmallows out and start toasting, and just sit down and sort of do whatever we want, and just, we'll just let the pillar of fire crack on. It'd be like, it's, like, it's ridiculous to even think that. The pillar of fire was for following. Jesus is for following. Don't just look at Jesus and worship him and enjoy him on a Sunday morning. Follow him. I am the light of the world. Follow me. And we're going to look a little bit more at practicalities. What does that look like in the next time as we go towards the end of chapter 8? Uh, but we'll leave it there for the minute. Because after Jesus says, I am the light of the world, there's this seemingly random section where it's just like a little bit confusing. Like for, when I was preparing this, I was like itching my head a lot, thinking, kind of, what is going on there? I don't really understand. It almost seems like Jesus has made this amazing statement, I am the light of the world, and then some people have just distracted him. And he's like, oh yes, that, you, know, you know, like if you're a teacher, like students try to do, so you're teaching an amazing lesson that all the students are finding boring, and so that one student just asks a random question to try and distract you and lead you on a different, different trajectory. It seems a little bit like there's some sort of distraction going on with Jesus. Because what happens is this. The Jews, the Pharisees, they, they effectively say, prove it. They challenge him. See, for me, I think for us as Christians... We would think, if I was standing in front of Jesus and he stood up and said, I'm the light of the world, I would just fall down in worship. And you sort of imagine this picture of just hundreds of people just worshipping Jesus as he says that. The reality is quite different. They say, prove it. Put their arms like this. You say you're the light of the world, prove it. So what we see happening here is that the darkness is trying to overcome the light. So why, why are the Jews, why are the Pharisees asking, challenging, saying, what, prove it? What, 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 what gets them wound up? What really affects them? Is it that Jesus is saying that he is light? Because at the time, like, light is a very religious symbol. Many people would have claimed to be light this, light that. That's, it's just part of religion. So is that what's frustrating the Pharisees? Is, that's what, is that what's getting them wound up? It's not. Before the light of the world, we see these two really important words, I am. Alid spoke on the first I am, I am the bread of life. There's five more I ams after this one, seven in all in John. Why is it important? What's I am got to do with anything? Well, if you go back to Exodus 3... You see Moses and God having a conversation. And what does God say to Moses? The God which the Pharisees and the Jews worship, what does he say to Moses, one of their fathers? He says, Yahweh, I am who I am. Make no mistake about it. When the Pharisees, when the Jews hear Jesus say, I am the light of the world, they get what he's claiming. They get that he's claiming to be the Messiah. They get that. That's what gets them wound up. That's what gets them into a position where they want to challenge, where they say, prove it. 
you're claiming to be God, prove it. If you continue to read through John 1, we actually see that Jesus came to his own. He came to his own. These are his own. But his own did not accept him. And here we see this, him living out the story that we read about in John 1. His own did not accept him. Tom Wright says this. At the heart of Israel, there's a quote that you can put it on if you want, Courtney. At the heart of Israel in Jesus' day, there was a single great problem. They had forgotten who their God really was. There was no trust. There was, they, they, they could have asked humbly, okay, come on. But instead, they say, who are you? Who's your father? Where's your father? They, 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 they challenge him. And so Jesus rises to the challenge. So it's not like a... It's not a random distraction that he's gone on. Actually, he explains two things. He explains, first of all, why they can trust him. And then secondly, he explains why they should trust him. So why, why can they trust him? Well, he says quite simply this. I know where I'm from, and I know where I'm going. What does that mean? It means, I know I'm from, where I'm from, i.e. from the Father, and I know where I'm going, i.e. to the Father. Let's get caught up in the big story of scripture again. In the beginning was God. Who else was with God? Jesus was with God. He was in the beginning with the word. The word. He was the word. And so he's come from the Father. And he's going to the Father. I.e. he has authority. When Jesus speaks you hear the Father. He actually goes on to say. If you knew me you would know my Father. What I say the Father says. I've come from him. I'm going to him. Why can you trust me? Because I'm from the Father. Punked. Full stop. That's why you can trust me. But he says, you know what? If that's not enough, what does it say in your law? You need two witnesses? Okay. This is another reason why you can trust me. One witness, me. Second witness, my Father. Is this, is this hint of the Trinity? Jesus is saying, I and the Father are one. There's two reasons you can trust me. First of all, I'm from and I'm going to. Secondly, there's two witnesses, me and the Father. That's enough in your law for you to be able to trust me. So that's why you can trust me. And then he says, this is why you should trust me. And here we just like, I don't know, we see this shift. There's this... This reality of sin starting to just come into the story. There's this darkness that just, you almost feel like this shadow come over the story here. Because Jesus has said, I am the light of the world. And it's this, if we think about it, it's like this beautiful picture of light. But then Jesus says this, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sins. And then a bit further on again, if you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. <clears throat> this is not cute baby Jesus on a, on a like nativity scene Christmas card. This is Jesus going straight up, face to face, 
with law keepers, with the Pharisees, with the best of the best, with the Holy Squad, and saying, you're going to die in your sins. If you don't follow me, you will indeed die in your sins. This is strong. There's this darkness. Of, and what's he saying, die in your sins? What does that mean? It means going to hell. So what he's saying, front, right in front of them, you, if you don't follow me, are going to hell. And so if we notice that story before that Ali spoke on, the woman caught in adultery, what happens at the end of the story? No one throws a stone and she goes on her way. No condemnation. Yet here we have this story, not of an adulterer, not of someone in sexual sin, but of, of, of the Pharisees, of the Jews, of the ones who are keeping the law to the letter. And what does Jesus say to them? Go on your way, you're all good. You're condemned. If you continue like you are, you're condemned. Even the highest standard Pharisees, they're condemned. You will indeed die in your sins. You see, light shows things up. I like to decorate, um, and I have reg yeah, I mean, I've regularly been working until very late in the evening when the natural sun good light has gone down, and I replace it with artificial electric light. And I can sort of finish an evening's work, I do the painting, two, t two paint brushes like this, I'm like a cowboy in the Wild West. Um, <laughs> and I can finish it and think, wow, I've done a really good job. Have a look and think, yep, yeah, no, that's good. Time to go to bed, I'm happy. I will then wake up in the morning and go to inspect my wonderful work that I did under artificial light and be like, hoo-hoo, not so good as I thought. I missed that bit, I missed that bit, that bit's a bit bumpy. Because the, the real light has come back in. And the reality with decorating is it's good to do it under sunlight because otherwise, yeah, you make mistakes. Light shows things up. And it's the same with Jesus. Jesus illuminates everything. Light is not necessarily a good thing if you're living in sin. That's the reality, because it shows everything up. It shows, it shows the reality of sinfulness. It shows that sinfulness, that sin, deserves separation from God. It deserves hell. That's what separation, that's what dying in your sins, that's what separation of God is. It's the absence of God is hell absence of anything good and it doesn't matter how good you are you, can't, you can be a Pharisee following all the laws living life literally day by day just following law and Jesus says you will indeed die in your sins because the light has shown up and even the best of the best have still got loads loads of mistakes that they're dealing with loads of sin that they're dealing with so is there any hope is there any hope Notice verse 20. Again, a bit of a random verse. And verse 28. In verse 20, it says this. John says this. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. And then in verse 28, Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man. Is that random? 
No, it's not, because we know that John puts things in. He understands what he's doing. What's he saying here? This conversation is taking place in the temple by the place where the priests will make offerings for your sins. The temple where you would come to get right with God. Where you would sacrifice, where you would make an offering so that your sins are forgiven. It's not a coincidence that Jesus is making, is having this conversation by the place of sacrifice in the temple. What's happening here is this distant drumbeat. There's a new creation coming. There's a new, it's a new day soon. And what is it? There's going to be a once and for all sacrifice, a once and for all offering. <laughs> so that now you don't need to go to the temple to get right with God. So that now you don't need to go to this offering place where they were to get right with God. The temple was going to come, become obsolete. The temple was going to be complete. There's no need. Because of what Jesus was about to do. In the midst of this beautiful picture of I am the light of the world, there's this massive dark stain right in the middle of it. And it's this. It's the shadow of the cross. Even when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, where does he say that? Right next to the offering place. How is Jesus going to become the light of the world? By going to the cross. Verse 28, by literally by being lifted up, they lift up the Son of Man. What does that mean? Putting Jesus on a cross. How is he going to become the light of the world? By going to the cross. So is there hope? Yes. Through Jesus. Again, it's the gospel of grace. Something that we're so passionate about as a church. The gospel that says, if you're a woman caught in adultery, or if you're Pharisees trying to live the perfect life, you're all too short. You're all not going to make it up to God's standards. But you don't need to come to the temple now once a year to make up because Jesus is going to the cross. Jesus is going to make an offering once and for all. It's this reality that Jesus didn't just come down to earth on a cosy, nice mission. But he came down with the shadow of the cross as his goal. The cross as his goal. And we're starting to see it coming. And it's going to come in more and more as we go through John you see the reality of sin is death and John here has put Jesus having this conversation in the temple by the offering place as a hint to what's going to happen I want to finish with three points of application the first thing is this grace verse 30 says some believed which is brilliant as as Jesus was speaking, some believed. It's the gospel of grace. Okay, I've said it already. The women, Pharisees, the light shows up. No one is good enough. But Jesus says this. It's okay. Follow me. It's all about the cross. The light came into the world. The darkness tried to overcome it but the light overcame the darkness. 
Simply put, gospel of grace is this. Believe in Jesus and you will not die in your sins. Second thing is this. We are the light of the world. See, in Matthew 5.15, Jesus speaks to his followers and he says this. You are the light of the world. What's going on there? Jesus, believe it or not, is now no longer here walking on earth. He is gone to the Father. You know, he said, I'm from the Father and I'm going to the Father. Now he has gone to the Father. So he's not here. So what happens with the light of the world? He's gone. Now he says this, you now, we are the light of the world. Through the Spirit, God, Jesus, lives inside of us, so we get to be the light of the world. We get to be the light in the darkness. It's amazing. I, we live in a country that is going away from Christian morals, away from Christian beliefs. We live in a dark, dark place. But we're the light of this place. And that's the reality. And the darker it gets, the brighter we're going to shine. Because I know what it's like to sit in a cave when it's completely pitch black, dark, dark, can't see your hand dark, and just a tiny torch, just twist it on a little bit, light. So bring it on. The darker it gets out there, the lighter we're going to shine. And we need to have that boldness and that confidence that the weather's getting worse. That Christian values are just getting thrown out the window. That there's this and there's that and there's this. You fill in your own blank. Get dark. Because the darker it becomes, the lighter we will shine. Because of Jesus living in us. Take that. Be confident in that. I need to talk to myself here, to be honest. Hold on to that. It's confidence building. And then the last one is hope. Simply put, light always wins. Light, darkness does not beat light. Someone got a bit excited there. Light always wins. When you turn on a light in a room when it's dark, you don't sort of think, oh, who's going to win the battle today? Is it going to stay dark? Is it going to get light? What's going to happen? Light always wins. So what does that mean? It means there's hope for you. It means there's hope for us. Jesus has overcome the world. We read later on in John, hashtag spoiler, that Jesus has overcome the world. That light has overcome darkness. The darkness tried its best. And Jesus overcame it. Areas where we struggle, areas where you struggle, where there's darkness in your life, Jesus has overcome that. Where there is darkness, Follow Jesus. He is the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Follow me. Friends, let's follow Jesus. Gives hope, grace. That's the reality of the Saviour that we follow. He's amazing. What time are we on? You know what time? Go past. Okay, I'm going to pray and then we're going to finish. Jesus, we love you, we worship you, we thank you that you are the light of the world and we, we see that as you, as you shine, Lord, we realise just how far away we are and how much we need you. And we thank you, Jesus, that there was no coincidence that you were talking by the 
place of offering in the temple because one day you would be the one offered so that we don't need to go to a temple to be cleared from sin but we just need to come to you and we thank you Jesus that we will not die in our sins if we follow you you're wonderful Jesus and we love you we worship you I just pray for all of us as we go away today may these truths of grace that we are the light and of hope may they just go with us give us confidence Lord yeah, all for your name, all for your glory. Thank you. Come, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, we'll finish there. Small groups this week. Tuesday night is with Alid. Wednesday night is with Courtney. But it's at Becky's house. And then we'll be back here next Sunday. Just to say again, to, if you're a newcomer, um, please do stay behind after church next Sunday. There will be pizza provided. And... Uh, and no, you can't come. And, and yeah, and it'll be a good time just talking about where the church has been from and where we're going to. Okay. Otherwise, have a good week. <laughs>